Welcome to episode 25 of the iPhone Life podcast. I'm Donna Cleveland, editor-in-chief of iPhone Life magazine. And I'm Sarah Kingsbury, senior web editor of iPhoneLife.com. And I'm Connor Carey, feature web writer of iPhoneLife.com. Welcome, guys. Today, we're going to be talking about how to cut the cord using your Apple TV. So if you have cable or satellite, we're going to teach you how you can not do that and save money. We'll also have a great news section for you, tips, and lots of good stuff for you. So let's get right into it. Starting with our favorite tip of the day of this last week. Connor, what tip did you use this week? I chose how to revert an edited photo back to the original. And this is really easy, but I didn't realize it was even something you could do until I had to update this tip. Um, basically, if you've previously edited a photo and you've maybe cropped it too much or added too many filters, all you need to do to revert it back to the original is tap edit in your upper right-hand corner. And then at the bottom, the lower right-hand corner, you'll see a red button for revert. Press revert and it's back to normal. This was such a great update. I think it was with iOS 9 or was it iOS 8? I think it was iOS 8. But where you could, you know, do everything you want to your photo and then still be able to go back and if you mess it up. I appreciate that so much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like Apple's sort of playing catch up with all the other apps that have come out to improve what your camera can do and improve what you can do with your photo editing. But since I'm lazy, I like <laughs> being able to just do it in the stock apps instead of having to get other apps and switch back and forth. So I'm glad that they're making the effort, even if it seems a little late. Same. Yes. I also have a tip uh, this week to share with you guys, and that's how to have your phone forget a Bluetooth device. So this is really handy if you have a speaker that will only pair with one device or some t type of Bluetooth device like that. Um, and then sometimes you'll have competing devices to pair with it. So you'll try to pair with your Bluetooth speaker and someone else is paired with it and keeps mm. kicking you off. Yeah, and that's we super have that irritating. problem at my house. <laughs> So what you can do is uh, decide which device in the house, talk to your family members, decide who's going to connect, and have everyone else have that speaker forget their Bluetooth device. Right. So you go into your iPhone settings, go to settings, Bluetooth, find the device that's paired, tap on it, and then you'll have the option to forget this device. So well, One compromise now, though, and this is with iOS 9, is you can not just forget it, you can just choose to disconnect. And, right, and that's so, true. So then, but yeah, if, if it's a device that you don't need to be connected to all the time, possibly having your iPhone forget it is the best solution because sometimes it, you're, even though I've disconnected from, say, the speaker everyone in my house uses mm -hmm. to listen to music while they shower, sometimes my phone just reconnects to it, yeah. which right. boots everyone else off. So if that's you have what that was problem, happening to me. Right. So it is, you know, if you disconnect, then you don't have to go through the step of repairing, which, you know, I guess is nice. But if you are having that problem where it keeps reconnecting when you don't want it to, just say forget it. Right. <laughs> Sometimes I just turn my Bluetooth off temporarily while someone else connects. But that requires a lot of, like, coordination <laughs> between yeah. the person. And so it might just be simpler to just pair and then forget. So these are two tips that you can get many more like if you sign up for iphonelife.com slash daily tips. You'll get a tip delivered to your inbox every day. Um, and also, 
here's a good time to tell you about iPhone Life Insider, which is our premium offering, which you get not only a, a tip delivered to your inbox every day, but a video that accompanies it that will walk you through exactly how to do it and will also entertain you. They're fun. And you'll also get uh, video tutorials so you can get start to finish guidance on iCloud, family sharing, iOS 9, and many more topics like that. Photo management. Yeah, that's a tough one. And nobody understands how to manage their photos. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, you'll also get a digital subscription to iPhone Life magazine and all of our past archive. And ask an editor, which lets you ask uh, Sarah, who is our resident iPhone expert, any of your questions as things come up on your phone, and she'll get back to you and help you troubleshoot. Um, so if you uh, want to sign up for iPhone Life Insider, go to iphonelife.com insider. And right now we have a free 30-day trial going on, so you can test it out and see if you like it for free. No strings attached. So anyway... Um here, I have a sample of one of the questions that uh, I usually get. This is from someone who has an iPad Air and he's run out of space and he wants to know how he can free up storage space on his device. And this is a problem if you end up getting a, an iPhone or an iPad with maybe only 16 gigabytes. You know, once you start taking pictures or adding music or movies, you can find yourself with no storage space left. So, yes. um, <laughs> And that's kind of a pain. So the first thing I would recommend, uh, music and photos and videos take up a huge amount of space. So before you even go and see what's taking up space, I would just um, take transfer any photos or videos that you don't need to have on your iPad to your computer. Um, you know, unless you want to look at them from your iPad or want them to be in iCloud, because if you delete something from your device, it will also be deleted from your iCloud photo library. So that's something to keep in mind. But if they're just photos that are important to you, but you don't necessarily have to have them on a device or in the cloud, you can transfer them to a computer. And that will save a lot of space right there. Mm -hmm. um, and then while you're doing that, make sure you go to the de recently deleted folder in your Photos app and permanently delete all those photos because sometimes you can delete a bunch of photos and think that you freed up all the space and then you haven't and it's because they're not actually deleted for 30 more days mm -hmm. but you don't have to wait 30 days you can just go into recently deleted and delete them all permanently and then um and then as far as photos go the third thing you should do is you should go to settings photos and camera and make sure iCloud photo library is enabled and then choose optimize iPhone storage. And then what will happen is your full, um, the full images will be stored uh, in iCloud, but the ones you'll see on your iPad or iPhone will be like an optimized smaller version. And then, you know, you can always access the full res version, but they won't be taking up so much space on your device. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Right. And then um, the second thing you can do is if you have a lot of music on your device, probably some of the music you don't actually listen to regularly. So that music you should not have downloaded on your device. You can just stream it over Wi-Fi. And if you find yourself missing it, you can always download it again. It's pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But then only have the music you listen to all the time and want to make sure you can access when you're offline on your device. That's actually a good reminder because sometimes 
when I'm going on a trip, I'll make playlists and, and have them be offline. But then I forget afterwards to go and delete them. So they're still taking up storage when I don't really need them on my device anymore. Yeah, if you're not listening to them, what's the point in using up that storage for that? Yeah. And then the, the final thing you should do is you should go, you should, you should just see what apps, what other apps are taking up a lot of space. And you can do this by going to Settings, General, Storage and iCloud Usage, and then tapping Manage Storage. And here you'll see exactly how much storage is being taken up and how much you have left and which apps are using the storage. And you'll actually be surprised because, for instance, I think it's the Keynote app is using up half a gigabyte of storage on my iPhone. But I know, and I have never actually used it. It's just the app itself is very big. Mm -hmm. And also the game Monument Valley, which is a really cool game, is also about half a gig of space. And wow, so it's like, that's if, crazy. You, if you see a game that you've played through all the levels or don't really like, or a, an app you don't really use, but takes up a lot of space, definitely go ahead and delete those. You can delete them right from settings by tapping on the app. Mm-hmm. But then of course, there's going to be apps that you don't want to delete, but are still taking up space. And those ones you should open individually and do things to remove data. Like for instance, the messages app you might be surprised by how much space your messages app takes up and it's usually because of attachments like photos and videos and gifts that your friends send you and you can go mm-hmm. in and delete those um which you, by the way you don't even have the option to delete the messages app if you wanted to <laughs> right no um you can actually in your settings though choose to have old uh to have them your messages delete themselves after 30 days which could take care of the issue. But then if you don't want to do that, because sometimes you want to keep those messages, but you don't necessarily need the images, Uh or say you've saved the ones you really want to photos, you can open up a conversation and tap details, and then you'll see all of the attachments that you've sent back and forth in that particular conversation Mm -hmm. and just delete them. Um, And that's kind of a lot of work, which is why some people might choose to just, in the messages settings, change it to have them auto-delete after 30 days. But... If you don't want to do that and you put in that work and then after that just maybe make a habit of deleting those uh, attachments as they come in because um, you definitely you know don't want to have to like spend hours every few months doing it and that will save you a lot of space and and also going to things like the kindle app or maybe you've downloaded videos in the amazon prime app you go in those if you've read the book just delete it if you've read the video you know remove it i mean not read <laughs> if you've watched the video <laughs> just remove it from your device and you'll be surprised by how much um storage space you can free up on your device awesome so that's a little taste of ask an editor and the kinds of questions you can have answered if you're an iphone life insider so next up we're going to talk about the news this week yeah Uh, Dr. Dre has a show just for Apple TV. So this is the first show I think that Apple TV, Apple has released as an original. Correct. Is that right? Yeah. And it's there, like the most recent rumor about it is that it's less of Apple entering the TV streaming world and more of a different way for them to promote Apple Music and set themselves apart from Tidal or Spotify. Yeah, I'm a little confused actually about like what this show is. I know Apple's been creating video content like Taylor Swift's concert videos right. and um, Drake's Hotline Bling. Um, What's that? <laughs> it's like a really- <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm not sure if that was serious or actually. No, it's ser- totally serious. <laughs> we'll talk after this podcast. Okay, <laughs> it's a very popular video that spawned a lot of memes. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
I shouldn't have admitted to not knowing that. <laughs> Great. Perfect. Um, yeah, so they've been already involved in creating a lot of video content, and I guess they're not really trying to compete with like Amazon or Netflix in terms right. of creating original content. What they're really trying to do is basically promote their Apple Music through this and TV it, show. At least yeah. that's what it sounds like. And it seems hmm. to me, because a huge part is like loyalty to a person, like once you become super attached to, say, Dr. Dre and his life, mm-hmm. then you're even more likely to become really attached to his music. So the idea is that it's going to be uh, 30-minute episodes, six of them, and it will partially reflect his life. And each episode is supposed to be a different emotion that his character is going through. Hmm. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting, like, interesting. test for Apple, I feel like. It sounds kind of, like, vague and still hard to get an idea I, until we yeah, see I, it, like, what it is. and sexual were another two of the, like, keys that Dr. Dre threw out there. Like, it's mm. supposed to be a dark, semi-autobiopic. I mean, it's, I'm intrigued. I would want to check it out. I kind of feel like I will check it out because it's my Sarah's job, but I'm not excited about it at all. <laughs> I'm, I may I'm change curious. my mind. We'll let you know. Yeah. Vital <laughs> signs coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, last week we were talking about how uh, Samsung and TSMC both made chips for the previous iPhone 6S. Mm-hmm. However, if you remember, after they were released, there was a bit of controversy. Chipgate. They always Chipgate. Yeah. Gotta <laughs> add the gate to everything. Um, and so the A9 chip, Samsung's, was slightly underperforming, but not enough for Apple to really acknowledge it. Um, but now TSM, TSMC is supposed to be making all of the A10 chips for, for the iPhone 7. Right. But, right, which shows that Apple is acknowledging in a way right. that, it, that yeah, Samsung they, they was They always deny, but then they quietly change things. I know, it's funny. And But recently, Southern Taiwan had a pretty bad earthquake on February 9th, which actually you know killed about 167 people and injured a lot more. So, you know, not to like downplay the loss of life, but how is that going to affect the iPhone 7 production for the chips? Will they have to go back to Samsung with their tail between their legs? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because initially, wasn't TSMC saying, oh, this will just delay production by a couple of days? And now they're admitting right. that actually this is much more yeah. of a big deal. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things where we don't have answers yet, but it's an interesting kind of like, what's going to happen? Something to watch. Yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely, it definitely draws attention to Apple's switch mm-hmm. from Samsung. For sure. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Uh, we also have some news from the Grammys. Yeah. Connor, you want to tell us about that? Yeah. Last night, I don't know if you tuned in, but we had the Grammy Awards and Apple took that. We had them. We I had them. I, I thought <laughs> I posted the Grammy we Awards. We had them. <laughs> We should have. Connor could have performed. She's a singer. Hey, yo. <laughs> um, so. The world had the Grammy Awards. The world like. had the Grammy Awards. And I lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, so, so Apple took that opportunity to release a new ad featuring Sonos, who they've partnered with. Mm-hmm. But, cool ad, by the way. Yeah, it was a very cool ad. But then the Recording Academy president, Neil Portnow, I hope I'm saying that right, and um, rapper Common, took that opportunity to address the issue with free tier streaming services. Mm -hmm. Um, Basically just pointing out that free tier services don't pay artists and labels enough. You simply can't make enough money 
from ad-supported services Mm -hmm. to pay the artists and labels. So it was really a call to pay for your music, to either subscribe to a paid streaming service like Apple Music or Spotify, or buy vinyls, go to concerts. Just Mm -hmm. his, his statement was, we all love the convenience. We support technologies like streaming that connect us to that music, but we also have to make sure that artists grow up in a world where music is a viable career. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I I tend to not want to do a lot of subscriptions because they just all add up. Yeah, they mm-hmm. do. But at the same time, you know, if someone is actually putting their talent and effort into creating a product that you enjoy, I think it is the right thing to do to pay for it. Um, I do ha- I have a paid Apple Music subscription. Yeah, me too. Um, the, the switch for me was realize, or remembering in the 90s when I would pay like $15 per CD. Right. And yeah. now I pay $10 a month to have access to pretty much all the music. Like right. all the music. Yeah, complaining <laughs> about that is a little ridiculous. Right. And yeah, I recently became a paid Spotify subscriber and it does, it feels good, I guess, to, there's something different about it. You value it more yeah. and it, it feels good to support something that you value. Right. Um. It is interesting, too, hearing this from some more people. It kind of backs up what Taylor Swift has drawn mm-hmm. attention to, you know, when she pulled her music when Apple Music was first released because during that three-month free t- trial, Apple had no intention of right. paying artists for that right. period of time, and then they they changed their mind. And with someone like Taylor Swift, it's a little harder to feel sympathetic because I know she's a very successful artist. Absolutely. But watching the Grammys last night, there were some different artists that, you know, like Alabama Shakes, they seemed somewhat new to the scene. I and love them. I know. They're so awesome. And it is, you know, at least I like the idea of supporting and more up-and-coming artists. Exactly. Because growing artists need to be able to make money. Right. Yeah. And, and the great thing about sort of the digital medium is that you don't have to get like your album into music stores or right. played on radios. If you can get it on a streaming service, then you have access to this whole audience. But if if that doesn't translate into, mm-hmm. you know, Profit. earnings, yeah. <laughs> then you can't, mm-hmm. it's not really sustainable. So it's good to balance maybe the sort of maybe openness and opportunity that this provides artists who might otherwise have trouble getting, you know, distribution with, the fact that all artists deserve to earn a living from their mm-hmm. efforts. Yeah, it would be nice if streaming ended up being helpful to up-and-coming artists instead of something that's just made it harder to get into the industry. Right. I mean, I, I think it is helpful if you gain enough attention. I mean, yeah, we've spoken previously about how, you know, now Adele doesn't, you know, she's not streaming more than like one song from her latest album on Apple Music. You have to buy the rest of the album but really, she attained her success by being available to everyone. Yeah. I was reminded of that, by the way, last week. I tried to go find one of her songs, and I was like, damn. I didn't realize that. I'm going to have to look at that now, because I could have yeah. swore I had it. Well, I mean, that's another thing is you see this, especially like all of the um, subscription services for books, for instance, have really kind of failed to be successful because, um, you know, like, the authors and publishing houses are just not making enough money. They haven't mm. found a, a business model that works. And in some ways, that's a little bit, you know, it seems like that may also be happening a little bit with the music industry, which is another reason why we should all be paying for our music subscriptions so that we don't end up like the sort of book subscription services 
are where they've basically really cut their catalogs and there's nothing you really want to read anymore. Mm. Right. Yeah, so that'll be another interesting thing to follow. Um, Last up on our list of news this week is just that the Apple Watch is once again on sale at Best Buy. It's $100 off. It's actually, it's not just Best Buy. It's Target. It's um, where else? There's a few. It's at Walmart. There's a a lot of different... um, different venues where it's for sale and some people are worried that this means there's going to be a new device that will make their their apple watches (laughs) obsolete but then other people are saying this is just apple's trying to just get as much market share as possible and so they just want to move more devices yeah maybe they've realized they overpriced it yeah so because even at a hundred dollars off it's more than many other smartwatches out there yeah but it was interesting my husband who has I mean, he likes Apple products, but he's been pretty against the Apple Watch for a while. <laughs> this last time it went on sale, he mentioned yesterday that he, he's thinking about buying one now. So That's yeah. what got me. Like, yeah. I wasn't going to get one. And then December, I came to work one day and it was $100 off. And I was like, this is the time. <laughs> yeah. And actually, it's interesting. I feel like people are starting to adjust to the idea of it. Yeah. Like, my one of my daughters was recently asking me to get her an apple watch which i don't know i i don't feel totally inclined to spend huge amounts of money buying my kids all the latest um <laughs> devices but i just thought it was interesting that she kind of made fun of it when i first got it and now is kind of like when are you getting a new watch so i can have yours ah, you know that is interesting i feel yeah. like a lot of the skeptics are coming around mm-hmm yeah, my brother-in-law also just got one uh, for his birthday. And it, so it's interesting to see, like, even if the original hype wasn't, didn't really get everybody excited, that it's kind of slowly growing on people. Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, the, the cheapest Apple Anecdotally, Watch let's is, say. is $350. <laughs> and it's, it's an accessory for your iPhone. Right. Yeah. I mean, like, that's as much as the most expensive headphones that the most devoted, you know, audiophile with some money to throw around would be pay you know right. yeah for headphones so it's kind of and and it goes up quite a bit from there so i i think that they've done the right thing by dropping the price because you can't even use it without an iphone and so it's right. it's just a really expensive accessory by the it way is. once you can use it without an iphone i'm getting rid of my iphone like <laughs> I, I love it so much well it's interesting you know uh and maybe this is a good time to sort of segue into our next section about like things that we've learned or complaints we have about Apple and our devices. Mm-hmm. Because this morning when I came to work, I could not find my iPhone. And yet my Apple Watch was saying that I was connected. Hmm. And, and I was like, how can it be connected <laughs> if my iPhone's not here? And I finally went home like a and it detective. was there. But, oh, and then, so, and so it really wasn't within range? And but I was so I was wondering why my iPhone, my Apple Watch was saying it was connected, and then I realized there was a different icon. Usually, if your Apple Watch is connected to your iPhone, there's like a little iPhone yeah. uh, icon. Yeah, that's that, green. Right, and and there's this time I was seeing a cloud. Yeah, and so with um, Watch OS two, I found mm. out um, if you if if you're not connected to the iPhone with your Apple Watch but you are in range of a Wi-Fi network that your iPhone has previously been connected to, in other words, a known Wi-Fi network, then your Apple Watch can connect independently to the Wi-Fi and you can use it in limited ways without your iPhone. Yeah, That's awesome. Yeah, so that's something I learned this morning by forgetting my iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> I never would have known that because I always have my iPhone, but... 
See, I discovered that because it would just not connect sometimes. Like I'd wake up in the morning and it would just show the cloud and I wouldn't get calls and I was like, what's going on? And I just noticed the cloud. And if that happens and you can't get your phone to connect, just restart your iPhone and when it comes back up, it will connect. That's good advice. That is cool. Yeah, I remember reading about that when Watch OS 2 was coming out, but I had never, I, I haven't yet been in a situation where I noticed that actually happening with my Apple Watch. So that's kind of handy that you can still access some of the features of your Apple Watch with, without your iPhone. Yeah. Um, for this section on Apple complaints and learning, I, I think, Sarah, you have another point for us about Slack updates? Oh, yeah. Well, I just, um, if you ever want to update, you know, your apps, some people have their apps set to automatically update mm -hmm. and other people like to just go in and, and update them manually, which actually I recommend because sometimes an update will kind really? of be really buggy and make the right. app crash or maybe you're, you have an older device and you're using a version that works with an older version of iOS. And so you want to make sure that you don't accidentally update yourself into, op <laughs> into being obsolete. Right. So, um, but another really handy thing about updates is that all of the apps usually have a section. If you go into the app store and tap on updates, you'll see all the apps that have have updates available and that you have updated and there'll be a little what's new section mm -hmm. and you can tap on that and see you know what features they've added because otherwise you might not necessarily know that one of your favorite apps has this cool new feature um and but yeah I, I know I rarely take the time to read those notes but it is usually helpful right and then I mean sometimes like Facebook automatically updates like every week almost so yeah. their their updates aren't usually that interesting but some app makers go uh, the extra mile in making their what's new notes uh, pretty interesting to read. And so <laughs> Slack, which is one of our favorite apps and we talk about it all the time, mm -hmm. did an update recently and, and their update notes were really funny. And it's kind of instead of just being like, oh, we fixed this bug that, you know, just left you hanging with a blank page. You yeah, know, it made... was like self-deprecating and funny. <laughs> yeah. And that was, so that was kind of enjoyable, but it, it reminded me to remind people to check those updates and what's new section. And I have one complaint, actually. I'm just hogging the complaints and learning section. Um, <laughs> Do you, Sarah? <laughs> uh, a reader recently wrote in and asked me, you know, complained because he sometimes makes purchases with a corporate card, um, and then sometimes he uses a personal card. Um, but for his iPhone, the card that's associated with iTunes and iBooks, mm. um, you can't have more than one card. Yeah, easily interchangeable. Now, you could go in and temporarily change it, which is what I recommended to him. But then I realized um, Apple tends to batch your payments. So you might buy a book in iBooks, you know, a couple weeks ago and then a week later buy some music. And then you won't see the charges until two weeks from now and it will be all at once. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, so if you change your card and then change it back, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the charges on that particular card. Yeah. So I really feel like Apple needs to make it possible like Amazon does to switch between cards. Obviously, for instance, like when you do the one click option with Amazon, you have to designate a card for that. But there is also an option to not use the one click and just go in and choose the card you want to pay for something. And I think, I mean, 
everyone has different cards that they want to use for different purposes. I don't think that's like unusual. And I think it's pretty ridiculous that Apple hasn't made that a possibility yet. I agree. I also have a complaint um, this week, which is that I think Apple Pay is awesome, but that more stores need training to know that they even have Apple Pay. Yeah. (laughs) I've had the experience lots of times now where I've gone gone to a register and I've seen the little symbol that shows that they have a wireless reader. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, oh, you have Apple Pay. And they'll just look at me like dumbfounded, like, what are you talking about? Right. And most of the time then I've been able to go through the (laughs) process of just trying it out for myself and then they'll be like oh wow and act like like what just happened was magic must be so common because there's that samsung commercial where the guy's like hey look i can use samsung pay or Uh or google pay or whatever it is you know and um you know and like the people behind the register are all amazed so i think it's like yeah there just needs to be a lot more awareness about I mean, it's not like a huge barrier because if you're paying attention, you can still use it. But I feel like it's kind of, it's just made me less likely to mm-hmm. use it because I have to think about it. Right. And it's nice, and you know, when you're in a rush, you don't want to think about argue it. argue with the cashier who's like, no, we don't have it. And you're like, and you're trying to like put your yeah. hand up and they're like, no, we don't yes, have you it. Do. <laughs> and some people also may enjoy the kind of novelty of it, of being like being able to show off their new tech or whatever, but I'm not really one of those people. <laughs> I don't want to be like, look, really, I can do this thing. You know, I just want it to be. Why not, Donna? <laughs> yeah. So I just think that, that it could really help Apple Pay to pick up if, if store owners, small and medium sized, or I mean, this has been a like, the BP, so big companies too, could use the little train. That's my complaint. So uh, (laughs) now we're just going to lump our apps and gear section together uh, and let you know what apps and gear we're enjoying right now. Um, I am enjoying, well, I'm excited about uh, iPhone case and Apple Watch matching selection that I found on Etsy. They both have like Daisy designs on them, and it's a gift set, so you can be coordinated with your oh, Apple Watch. Cool. <laughs> and the, the store is called Hit Designs, I think, and so that'll be coming later this week, I believe. So I'll let you guys know next week how I like it. Great. But I thought so it will be I, nice for spring. I, we can put a link in our podcast blog post, which, by the way, you can find at iphonelife.com slash podcast, right. which will link to any gear or news articles we talk about and any tips. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably a total dork, but I like the idea of being coordinated. Would you guys want your Apple Watch coordinated with your phone, or do you feel like that's like color coordinating your outfit um, too much? To be honest, I am <laughs> super. Je- I have the rose gold iPhone, and I'm super jealous because they didn't have rose gold Apple Watches when I got my oh. Apple Watch. And Connor <laughs> has the rose gold Apple Watch, and I, she ever since it's she so got pretty. it, I've it. been. So jealous. <laughs> Which is funny because I actually have a gold iPhone. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so coordinating, not coordinating? I would thoughts? do it. I'm in, I'm in favor of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you should not go too far because as you update your devices, you might not upgrade them all at once because that could just get a little ridiculous. Right. But it, it can be nice, especially because the Apple Watch really is specifically for the iPhone. It's kind of fun to coordinate yeah. those. And I do think it's a good gift idea. This was under $50 for the case nice. and the band and seems like something, you know, a lot of people would enjoy getting as a gift. Right. Yeah. What about you guys? Any apps or gear? Um, I'm really into this uh, cool uh, portable charger called the Jumper Slate Power Bank from Enerplex because... Mm. It's like a tongue twister right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, 
it has cutouts so you can put it into like a three ring binder oh. and so and it has a built-in lightning cable and you know schools have really changed their approach to mobile devices it used to be like if you had your phone out they would take it away and your parents had to come to the office and get it don't ask me how i know and <laughs> um and now actually um i've noticed at least at the high school level where my kids go to school um Phones are allowed. They're encouraged. You can read books on them. You can. They let you listen to music or use the calculator as long as you're not taking like a test or something. But they're very much. I, I feel like schools have basically just acknowledged that you can't. I mean, there's such an integral part of life that you mm-hmm. can't really. Right. Um, and so this is great because it, you know, it's not a separate thing a kid has to carry. And it has the built-in lightning cable, so they don't have to, like, try and find the cable. And they can just discreetly charge their device during class or, you know, while they're carrying their binder with them from class to class. So I think it's a really cool take on a, on a portable charger for your iPhone. Nice. nice. We should definitely link to that in our post as well. I've been trying out uh, Jabra Sport Pulse headphones. Oh, I love those. Mm-hmm. I do, too. They're... The particular ones I got actually read your heart rate through your ear. So it connects to the app and it reads your heart rate and you can select your workout and then it will like tell you where you're in a good range, if you should speed up, like all these different... Yeah, I was kind of freaked out at first. Like when I tried these headphones on, they were like, let's go running. I was like, oh my God, the headphones are talking to me. (laughs) Yeah, because I got two samples and I gave one to Sarah to try out. She comes to the office and she goes, you didn't tell me these headphones were going to make me exercise. (laughs) So I haven't done the blog post for it yet, but I'm still trying them out, just waiting for some snow to melt around here. You don't want to go cool. running in the slush? I'd prefer not to hurt my face or my head or my bum. So, <laughs> yeah. Cool. When the weather improves, you'll hear from Connor. Yep. Yeah. I've, I, when I did my fitness tracking article, I spoke with one of the labs that makes the sensors for the Jabra. He's talking mm. about how, you know, his whole thing was wanting to put these sensors in devices that people are already wearing. So, I mean, not everybody wants to wear a smartwatch. I mean, that's, to me, an example of something that's not really interfering with your everyday. But something like in your headphones is might have a broader appeal, definitely a broader appeal than a chest strap monitor, which used to be people's go-to heart rate sensor, Ah, which most people don't want to go, you know, wear that when they're working out. Yeah. Yeah. So very cool. All right, so next we'll be moving on to our main theme, which is to teach you how to cut the cord with cable using your new Apple TV. Right, and for this section, we'll be joined by our COO, Noah Simpson. So thanks for joining us, Noah. Oh, my pleasure. Um, so I wanted to ask, like, first, before we get into, like, whether or not you should cut the cord and how much it costs and how you do it, um, do you guys have cable? Are you cord cutters? Like, what's your status? Um, I'm definitely a cord cutter. Um, it's been a couple years since since I've had cable. Uh, and I'm a huge fan of the Apple TV. I, I use it for 90% of my, my home entertainment. What about you, Donna? I don't have cable, but I have satellites. <laughs> and uh, I have DirecTV because my husband's a huge sports fan. And we'll get into this later, but you're definitely the most limited with your Apple TV when it comes to sports. Right. So I... Uh, you know, a lot of the provider, like DirecTV has some deals with NFL uh, that you can't get anywhere else. And mm. so it's been worth it for him. 
Um, I myself could easily go without cable or satellite, and I we use Netflix. We have a couple other subscriptions as well, and if we just had that, we would be saving so much money. Right, because the average cable bill is about $100. Is that about the same for satellite? Right. Yeah. It's even more, but if, yeah. If you have the the sports if you have all the special sports stuff yeah i think when I, I had direct tv as well previously and i think it was probably 130 bucks that i was paying on a regular basis right. every month. I, right. I recently uh by dint of trying to cancel my cable subscription got an amazing deal on my cable but before that i was paying about a hundred dollars a month um just to, so that my husband could watch all the sports and the news <laughs> yeah. right yeah definitely um so, but so obviously, maybe there's some limits for sports fans. Although we can go into that in more detail later. But what about news, uh, Noah? Do you feel like you get the news you want to watch? Are you a big follower of the news? Um, I am a follower of the news, and definitely news is something that is getting a lot better on Apple TV. So mm-hmm. it used to be that there wasn't really a good way to catch a live news broadcast. There are plenty of ways to look at the things that happened the day before or yesterday or little, you know, clip summaries. Uh, But that's not quite the same experiences as watching Mm. something live as it's happening. Um, But that's definitely getting better. And um, if you look at the the article that Jim Carpen posted on our site recently about the um, about the Apple TV, he mentioned CBS News as being a place where you can get live coverage. And it's not the best necessarily like news group uh, that uh, that you can have uh, of all your choices, but it still is a free option for getting that live news update. Uh, and it's not like some of the other channels where they just have like a feed going into the newsroom, but it's not nobody's really hosting it or anything like that. Mm. It's a full news coverage um, right. type of service, yeah. Are there yeah, any other impressed? news apps like PBS or PBS? I I like public broadcasting, so PBS does have um, Gwen Ifill's show and a lot of a lot of the shows for free. You just when you first go into the PBS app, you have to go to the website site and enter an activation code in order to start seeing all of the content there. And a lot of the apps have a little bit of setup involved like that before you're able to watch anything. Mm-hmm. Um, also, all of the other networks do have apps, and they offer at least something for free, as Noah said. Yeah. CBS, I think, is the only one that gives you a complete live feed for free. But, mm. um, you know, Fox, CNN, all of the different networks have at least something. So you should check that out and see if you want to pay for a monthly monthly access or if you're just fine with seeing the little clips here and there. Yeah, I think when it comes to to just a dedicated news channel you're either you're either paying for uh for that dedicated news or you have to have a a cable subscription i mean the one that Mm -hmm. i I prefer watching cnn and without a cable subscription uh you can't necessarily log in so i'm you know i'm looking forward to the day where i can just pay the you know 4.99 a month or it's 7.99 a month for cnn because it's one of the key channels that i you know would regularly go to and i'm happy to just pick a news station and uh, and use that and then get clips from others to get different views. But doesn't yeah. that like become a pain having like multiple accounts and multiple apps as opposed to, I mean, that's one of the advantages of cable over, you know, like this sort of a la carte system that you might embrace on Apple TV. 
I mean, it makes your setup more compli complicated, definitely, to have to log into all these different things. But once you've done that, the Apple TV experience is really nice. So you can organize all of your apps, have them there, your CNN app, save your favorite shows, things like that in mm. the Apple TV interface that to me is way nicer than the cable experience. Yeah. And I'm going through hundreds of channels that you don't even like. Yeah. yeah some of this breaks along in, in um, a, a generational preference. Um, and definitely in, in my generation, uh, most people prefer to manage something themselves when it comes to this type of access. They want to be able to turn it on and turn it off. And we're used to having buttons that can do that. Um, as opposed to somebody that we call up on customer service and the customer service you know, agent yeah. handles it for us and does everything for right. us. That's not my preference. So I, I would rather be able to say, oh, CNN, I'm done with it now. I'd like to go in and turn that off and not have to talk to somebody and get them to change it and try to sell me something else. Mm -hmm. So to me, there's, there's a little more involvement from you personally, but it's all something that I would prefer to be involved in rather than something that I, you know, wish somebody else was doing for me. And so if you are a cable subscriber, though, this is a good time to bring up that um, Apple TV is great for you also, because like, say the CNN app, you can activate the CNN app with your uh, login information for your cable subscription, and you'll have access to that. So you don't need to leave your Apple TV in order to watch all the stuff you've paid for. It's definitely right. true. And, and I mean, I haven't heard this talked about much, but if you're a if you're a traveler and you have an Apple TV and you're taking it with you, you can very easily plug into your cable subscription or, or DirecTV subscription or satellite subscription uh, and get all of your shows pretty much wherever you are. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, if you're going to, you know, an Airbnb for a month or whatever, and you want to be bringing your subscription with you, bring your Apple TV, plug it in uh, and sign into all of your apps and you've got access to all of your stuff. It's really great that way. That's funny. I've never thought of bringing it with me traveling, but it is really small. So there's no like no reason why you couldn't do that. Yeah. I mean, I have the app associated with my cable provider on my iPhone and I don't have an iPad because I just, I don't know. I've, I haven't quite embraced the tablet yet. I think about it a lot. Um, but then I can watch shows wherever I am. And, and I actually prefer that to watching live cable because I don't always want to have to be sitting at my TV and at a certain time of the day. So. Yeah. I do wish that on your Apple TV, you could just enter your cable credentials once and that that would log you into all the different apps. But each each network and each service handles its own login still. So you'll have to do that with each app. Yeah, I think we're working more and more towards that. I mean, the, the unification service that Apple is providing through Apple TV is being able to search across multiple platforms. Uh, and they're adding those uh, those services right now, you, you've got Hulu, you've got mm -hmm. HBO, uh, and you have iTunes and Netflix. Uh, but they're adding more and more of these core apps into that searchability. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think we'll see more and more integration as people fall in line and get more comfortable with the standard. Uh, you'll see some of that multi-service activation type of thing, or mm -hmm. if you're plugged into the, um, you know, your iCloud account type of thing and your iCloud account tracks that type of thing, then it'll auto activate you. I'm sure we'll see more of that in the future. I look forward to that. Yeah, definitely. Um, but speaking of Netflix, are you guys Hulu users or Netflix users or both? Do you think you can just do one or the other or... I haven't even used Hulu at all. I just have Netflix, and I really don't know why to, how to answer like 
why that is. I just have been a Netflix user for a long time. I don't want to pay for both. But Netflix, I do sometimes find to be a bit limited, especially in the movie department. What about you, Noah? Yeah, I think that um, I, I, I subscribe to both. So I have both Netflix and Hulu. And it used to be that Netflix was the big movie catalog and Hulu was the big TV catalog. Right. Uh, and the two of them together made this nice marriage. Uh, but now really, they're both both. Um, mm -hmm. There's plenty of excellent shows, you know, where all seasons are available on Netflix. Um, and there's plenty of movies that are now available on Hulu. And so really both of them are sort of converging a little bit. But that said, I still find that I like the variety between the two. So I, I end up right. switching between them quite a bit. What? And it's about $8 for each, right? Yeah, um, something like d that. Depending yeah. on how many, like, ne I don't know about Hulu because I don't have a Hulu subscription, but Netflix is just depending on how many devices you want to be able to access your account on, mm -hmm. that will change the price. Um, one thing about Hulu that I've often thought if I do finally cut the cord, I would definitely subscribe to Hulu in addition to Netflix because uh, unlike on Netflix, you can get very recent shows. You can watch them on Hulu. So, yeah. you know, like I really enjoy Agent Carter on ABC and, you know, I can't get the current season on Netflix. I don't even know if I can get the first season. Mm -hmm. But on Hulu, you can watch them, you know, almost right away. I think you might have to wait a day, but then they're there and you don't have to have the cable subscription, which is how I currently access it. If I want to watch it, you know, not on my TV, I just go to the, the my cable provider's app. Yeah, that's definitely true. And I found that, you know, my behavior when I had cable was to use a DVR and record all the shows that I cared about and then watch them right. the week after anyway. Right. Yeah. Right. And so waiting a day really just didn't seem like it was a huge trade-off to me. So No. Um, I never I never watch the show when it's on like ever. Yeah. So uh, that seems like a, a really small concession to make to to have to wait a day to, to see those shows. I mean, if you're really into a show and you don't want to like hear your friends talk about it the next day, then you know, maybe that's that's something that you would care about for me. Uh, it's totally fine to just wait a day for that show. Now, what about Amazon Prime? Do you guys use Amazon Prime? I mean, because you can't get it directly on the Apple TV, but you could AirPlay it from a device. Mm -hmm. But is that an important part of your Apple TV experience? Or do you wish it were? Do you not miss it at all? I've been a longtime Amazon Prime member for mainly for the free shipping. And I, I order items from it a lot. So basically, all of its movie perks are just, in, just a perk because... Uh, it's not really why you're there. I, it's not really why I'm there. But uh, I do, now that Amazon has shows, it's I do AirPlay shows onto my Apple TV. And with the new Apple TV, I've noticed that it's a lot less glitchy and mm. works really well and seems to, like for a while before it wasn't looking HD and now it is. Um, so I, I really like that. It would be great though if Amazon did create a video app for they Apple really TV. They really need to. Yeah, I, I think um, I'm, I'm also an Amazon Prime member, but I don't actually hook hook into their entertainment uh, services much. Um, and I think partially because uh, the other services that I am hooked into pretty much cover the time mm. that I have available to watch entertainment. Right. <laughs> and I haven't necessarily heard of or, or been confronted with that scenario where... Man in the High Castle, I'm just saying. Okay, Man in the High Castle. <laughs> Nobody's really like, you know... Talked about that the same way that people talk about Game of Thrones, um, <laughs> you know. So I don't really necessarily feel like I'm missing out on a, a really essential 
channel. Well, well, what about like, for instance, Amazon Prime now has like additional subscriptions you can do. So you can do yeah. Stars or Showtime and for like an extra like nine, 11 bucks a month. You can get the shows that those channels offer through your Amazon Prime. Have you thought about doing that? Um, I discovered that through Jim Carpenter's article. I actually didn't know that. And because I do have satellite, I wouldn't use that. But I think that's interesting. There's, I went to the website and there's a list of maybe 10 or 15 different add-on services you can get. I mean, it seems like you have to be a little choosy, though, because at some point, yeah, that could add up to hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, if 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 variety is really the key for you, like mm-hmm. if you want to watch some of something from everywhere, then then definitely a, a cable subscription where you're putting those add-ons, you know, might make a lot more sense, or where you're getting the all, you know, the stars and the HBO and the whatever package all together. Um, that might be make more sense for you. But if but my experience was always like. You know, these are the 15 channels that I always go to, and every once in a while I'll land on something else. Mm-hmm. Um, then you can pay half the price by just, you know, figuring out how to get access to the things you cared about on those 15 channels. Yeah, because yeah. that's the thing that's so ridiculous is there's really only like maybe not even more than five channels that I watch regularly on my TV. I mean, you know, each person in my family maybe has like three channels that they watch mm-hmm. regularly, and so that could add up to like 10 or 12 channels, but that's still supposedly we have like 400 channels i mean you know uh, most of that stuff is like what are like infomercials you know so like right yeah yeah i mean if you just choose a handful of services that you want even though yes you have to manage all those five different accounts you could be saving you know you could be spending half as much as you would be otherwise and getting the content that you want so that's really the whole draw of of getting rid of cable well, and even just even if you're not paying significantly less, but you don't have to deal with just sorting through all that yeah. unwanted stuff. I mean, maybe that would be worth it for some people. But I wanted to that there is an option for sports people, um, which is Sling TV for twenty dollars a month, and you get some ESPN access. I think you still wouldn't get the NFL, um, but you get like sixty-five channels for twenty dollars a month. Have you guys tried that? Do you know anyone who's using it? I don't have Sling TV, but I do think this is a good option for sports fans. But really, the big thing from – I'm not a sports fan myself, but from talking to people who are – is that you can't get access to the NFL ticket, and you can't watch Red Zone, which gives you uh, like access to all the different games, switches between them, and that's still something you're not going to get. And for a lot of people, that's a deal breaker. Yeah, it seemed pretty clear that if you're st- still – you're really into sports that – cable is probably the best way to go yeah i i think that's that's definitely the case and um but we'll get there i i, I think it's just a matter of years before mm-hmm. you know the nfl ticket or or things of that nature are are available on multiple platforms it just doesn't make sense as fewer and fewer people become dedicated to cable it's going to be very difficult for them to justify exclusive mm-hmm. agreements it just won't make sense for them anymore and CBS Sports, CBS is again like the winner with Apple TV. They live stream some NFL games, including the Super Bowl. Yeah. That's great. So that's something to check out. So we've talked a lot about like paid apps. Are there any like good free apps that you guys use to watch movies or I checked shows? out a few and I was not impressed. Um, Jim did a roundup of nine apps that you can watch, that you can use to access free movies and things like that. And if you're into old classics, that could be a good option for you. Popcorn Flicks, Rewinder, 
free classic movies, though those are a few. Um, one of them had Seinfeld, so that sounded cool, but a lot of them they looked like B movies or worse and really old ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, Crackle is a service that, that I've I've definitely used for, for free movies. Oh, Crackle um, was the one that has Seinfeld. Yeah, that has Seinfeld. And, and like kids shows. Yeah, kids shows. They're starting to produce some of their own content. Uh, it's more of a serious player, in my opinion, than than many of the other ones. Um, but you really have to go back to the land of watching uh, commercials in the middle of your in the middle of your movie, which yeah. feels like you're just going back to the '80s. But also, don't you think this kind of also returns to what we were talking about earlier in the show? We were talking about why people should pay for music subscriptions as opposed to the free tier because you want to actually support and enable the kind of music and in this case the kind of programming you want, which actually takes money to produce. And and the nice thing about these services is you can sort of target your dollar toward the sort of thing you want to watch. But mm-hmm. if you're not willing to pay, then you know you're you're kind of limiting the quality of shows you're gonna have yes, access to somewhat yeah, mean, if you I'm, check out these i mean at least for me when i looked at these apps i was like mm, i don't know i'd yeah. rather just pay and yeah. get something better well and and it depends on you know i mean some of that depends on your economic situation totally. as well if you're if you're willing to pay with your attention to ad dollars then you know crackle can be a a good way to get a bunch of free movies and right right you know right. sit down for movie night and and pick something and not have to go to the movie store well and a good point is like I still have to watch commercials, even though I'm paying for cable. You know, so it's true. It's, yeah. I mean, commercials are, are are a big part of it because I've cut the cord. I'm so not used to commercials at this point that it's mm-hmm. like commercials interrupting. You know, my binge watching is is really. But that's sort of a compromise. Even like you know, you're paying for cable, but you're paying for it with your money, but you're also paying with your attention to the commercials, and so that means you theoretically, hopefully, pay are paying less money. So it's it's a compromise. I do want to check out Crackle because it sounds like out of the free options, that one has the potentially the best. Um, one thing I wanted to explain because it confused me, maybe it just confused me, is that some networks have more than one app and with yeah. like a slightly different name, and that can be yeah. a little bit confusing and frustrating. So what's up with that? So, well, HBO and Showtime are both good examples. There's the HBO Go app and the HBO Now app. Yeah. HBO Now is the a la carte service that HBO launched last year, I think it was. Uh-huh. And that let you pay around $10 a month to access all the HBO content. So if you're doing that, that's the app you use. Otherwise, you use HBO Go, and that's if you have cable or satellite. Right. Only if with that service you've paid for the extra access to HBO, then you use that and enter your info that way. But But why would you do that instead of just using the app that goes with your cable service? Why would you have like multiple apps? It seems like they should just have, to me, one HBO app and then you can log in either way and just make it simple for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny because my my son, Miles, who was on the podcast uh, last time, uh, made a comment this morning as I was flipping through apps and doing a little research for this podcast. Um, he commented on that and he said, oh, Fox now and, and, and HBO now. And he's like, it's so silly. It's like, why do they have this now thing? Um, and Miles, you might remember him from last week. He was on the podcast. Yeah. And, um, and it, and it made me realize that, you know, these companies have the challenge of the intuitive thing is just to have an HBO app. And the intuitive thing is to just have a CBS app and you access all of the HBO or all of the CBS type content in those apps. 
And from a user experience, that's definitely the most intuitive way to do it. Uh The problem is they have to get over this hump where they resisted this transition for 10 years. (laughs) So they've taught everybody that you can't access this stuff, that it's not available through these types of services. And so now that it is available, they really have to retrain everybody to accept the fact that you can get access to these things. So I think they're all feeling this need to rebrand. Are they really just retraining themselves, though? Because I feel like all of us <laughs> no, are way ahead of them. Well, they're retraining them. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> There's definitely a true element to that. Uh, but they feel they've branded themselves so much as not giving giving access that unless they overtly say that they are, the assumption for many people is that they won't. Huh. And mm-hmm. you don't necessarily assume that some you know, network has the availability through Apple TV or somewhere else because they've spent so long resisting it. You assume that they don't and you have to go to other solutions like Netflix or Hulu to get that content. So they feel like they really need to be out there to promote themselves that way. But eventually this stuff, it will, it will converge and it will fall off, but they've got to get over that hump. So their, I guess their idea is that they want to have a special app that's just for paying, like just make more of a thing out of it or something. But it's, yeah, I'm not endorsing the strategy. Yeah, yeah. I just understand why they're right. why they feel like they need to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be done more effectively in other ways, but Showtime is the same story. With the Showtime app is the one that you can you can pay for on its own, and Showtime anytime is what you use your cable to sign in with. Right. So See, it's not super intuitive. But. I think people are more like Miles, especially people who are younger, yes. including Miles. Just that, <laughs> Who's nine? Yeah. But, you know, I just feel like like my kids who are older or just anyone in their, like, early 20s would just – it just doesn't make sense, you know, because we just mm-hmm. are so – you're like – and even me, I'm, I just assumed until you guys told me that – it would all just be in one app, you know, yeah. and there's like different yeah. areas of the app I could access depending on what I was paying for. I mean, even like my Amazon video app on my phone, um, like I didn't renew my Amazon Prime because I just wasn't ordering enough to make it worth it. But now like, you know, there's videos I can look at them and like rent them or whatever, but I can't just watch them. But videos that mm-hmm. I own, I can watch. And it's not like confusing to me. It's not right. upsetting to me. Right. And, you know, and, and in some ways it's good because I can look at these things that I can't access and maybe say, well, maybe I should renew my Amazon Prime, you know. So it, it seems a little silly to like cordon people off that way. Yeah. And in the meantime, you know, what you can just do is – you just need to search these different networks and figure out which app is the one to log into so you don't get frustrated trying to log into an app <laughs> with the wrong information. Right. Yeah. It's a short-term strategy. It, yeah. It, you know, it, it'll find its death soon enough, but it's, it is a frustrating time to have four different CBSs or something like that. It's just like it just doesn't intuitively make sense. So, so to return to the Apple TV itself, what do you think needs to be – improved to kind of make the experience better like what do you think needs like what what do you think needs to just really make it a complete you know option all by itself well I think that uh, having the Siri remote has helped a lot being able to just say the movie you're looking for or the genre and having all these options pop up because there are so many different offerings and services now you don't want to have to like when you're looking for a show be like oh is it in Netflix is it Hulu you know, go through the whole, that whole process. So Siri has helped a lot, but it still only searches a handful of services. So I think as 
as Apple adds more services over the years, which I'm sure they will, that will improve the experience a lot. And also if Apple comes out with its own streaming service, and especially if it lets you choose which top, like, you know, 10 to 25 networks that you want and pay something like 20 or $30 a month for. See, that's what I've always wanted. I mean, wanted. that's what it's, the rumors are saying. It's just to be able to choose, you know, from some options like my own personalized bundle and then just pay for that. Yeah. Even if it ends up being, you know, similar to what I would pay for the cable service. So that's where I'm hoping it will go. But I do, with the new Apple TV, I it, already the experience is so much better than it was before. And it feels more like the iOS experience. Yeah, I, I think they did They did a great job in a lot of areas. And, and they, they missed some obvious marks in other areas. Um, one of my personal pet peeves is that it's great to be able to ask Siri to search for something and get those results. Uh, but when you go to fill out a form, you can't dictate into a search field. So uh. if you go to Netflix uh, and you're within that app and you go to the search menu and you want to search for a movie title, mm -hmm. you got to scroll through the little ABCs and tap yeah, on the buttons. You, and you oh use the my remote God. app on the iPhone now? Isn't it compatible now with the Apple TV? How is that working? It is compatible <laughs> now. Look on your face, I haven't Noah. started using it yet. Have you? I haven't started using it, and um, and so I don't know if, if it solves that function. Previously, I used to use that remote app a lot to use the keyboard, and you can use that function. But come on, it's it's built as a Siri thing, and I know yeah. I know yeah, there's no, it's, it's a very valid point. I, I believe it's in the next version of the operating system. Oh, okay. but I was disappointed because it just seemed like something they should have hit on version one. Like, yeah, why am I typing through ABC? It's like <laughs> it, it really felt like. I can't believe we didn't get beyond this point with this release. So that, to me, that was just like a, a really missed opportunity to make you feel like you were in a different space in, instead of the old space. Um, so I, I felt like they should have done that. The other thing that, that's been interesting to me is the creative control for some of those core apps like Netflix um, has gone back to then the developer. So Netflix is, is in control of that app, whereas previously Apple had these partnership deals and they had this sort of cooperation to make sure that the app was uh, functioning the way that Apple wanted it to work. Hmm. So I've actually found that the Netflix app experience is not as good and the HBO app experience uh, is not as good as it used to be. Uh, it's less intuitive and it's a little like bigger picture flashy, but it doesn't actually make it easier to scroll through stuff. Netflix in particular, it's very difficult to find shows related to something that you found. You can do it if you search through Siri. If you say search Netflix for this movie uh, with Siri, then you get an option and you get a bunch of other things related I to it. I feel like Netflix has a really always done point. a terrible job at making it easy to find content. Yeah. I've been having a hard time navigating Netflix lately and, and now I know why. And Netflix, they eliminated their categories. So you can't even t yeah. like go into a category and find something. You can do it through Siri. Right. And so you can get there, but it's but but Netflix didn't necessarily raise the bar on their own app. And and by going into an app atmosphere like that, uh, you know, you introduce the possibility that that these individual companies make some some really stupid decisions and that affects your uh, your interaction with the interface. Yeah. All right. So overall, um, where do you what's your sort of la like last word, your, you know, sum up your thoughts on this whole like cutting the cord thing whether it's worth it you know what could be you know talk a little bit about what could be improved but 
Yeah, to me, it really boils down to to the individual and their specific preferences. If you've got a show that you love that you're plugged into and it's not available through the services that Apple provides and through the apps that that are on the Apple TV, then it's just not a solution for you. And it really just boils down to that. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have, you know, if you're not really hooked into that specific show that's not available uh, and you're willing to be a little bit flexible with you know, say your news choice. And you're not a giant sports fan. Yeah, then then it's an excellent, excellent option. Yeah, I think unless you really want the NFL ticket or unless you have maybe 15 different channels that you feel like you really need to pay for, that it's really a no-brainer to just use Apple TV and take the take the time to set up a few different accounts and you'll still be saving a lot of money. Well, I'd really like to hear what our listeners have to say. So if you have cut the cord and you feel like we've missed some important key or you've decided not to, let us know why. You can email us at podcast at iphonelife.com. We'd love to hear about you. All right. I think that's it, you guys. All right. See you guys later. All right. Thanks. Thank you.